Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Kate Faulkner. Hello, hope you're okay. Thank you for downloading today's podcast on Monday, June 6th. Our top story today, three years after Eurostar stopped running services from Ashford, people in the town say it's time to get the trains back. The high-speed link to Europe was halted because of the pandemic but hasn't returned and it's unclear if it ever will. Simon Good and Miranda Kelly have been telling reporter Leanne Castle why they think Eurostar services should return to Ashford. We moved to Ashford 13 years ago partly because of the great connectivity that Ashford has. I mean, there are three different train lines into London. More than 50% of the terminal stations in London are served by trains direct from Ashford. And the bonus of having Eurostar stopping here was, was fabulous. And also being 15 minutes from the Channel Tunnel. I was doing a fair bit of work in France and it was extremely convenient for me. I've now retired and I plan to spend a lot of time traveling and I'd rather travel by train than fly. A few years ago, rather on a whim, we took a train to the south of France, to Avignon. Five hours it took, door to door. If I had flown, it would have been an hour and a half to the airport, checking in two hours ahead of time, a two-hour flight. It would have taken longer. And when you factor everything else in, it was actually cheaper going by train than it was flying. So there are a multitude of reasons from a selfish point of view, it would make my life even more enjoyable. But I think from Ashford's point of view, it's something that would make this town much more vibrant. And I would imagine that there would be French and Dutch and Belgian companies that would be interested in setting up business here. We've already got film studios coming. Brompton Bicycles, I mean, they're British companies, but yeah, it's got to be a good thing for Ashford, surely. To take the Eurostar at the moment, I have to go to London and pick up the train in order to come back through Ashford. And do you, did you take the Eurostar quite often before? Not very often, but my husband takes it all the time for business. Right, so it's really quite an important yeah. issue for you and your husband yes. then. So how often would he take it? Would it be weekly, monthly? Probably two or three times a month. So he's going this week and he's going uh, the week after next. Um, and obviously coming back. So Eurostar was saying, you know, it's not enough demand, money, jobs, customs. What would you say to that? Because clearly there is a demand here. I think there's definitely a demand. Um, when they first built St Pancras, I went to a meeting in Ashford Council and the Eurostar representative was there and they said that they had done a lot of um, studies to show that the footfall in Ashford once Ebb's fleet was built wouldn't work for Ashford. Right. And the argument was, and so they, were, they wanted to close Ashford then. And the argument was, why don't you let the footfall vote for itself? And they decided to do that. And we, or my husband, has taken Eurostar frequently since the St Pancras line opened. And it's always busy in Ashford. It was always busy pre-COVID. 
and pre-Brexit. They bring back Eurostar Group are urging local councillors and MPs to put pressure on operators after 23,000 people signed a petition earlier this year. Eurostar say trains won't stop at Ashford this year and they can't make any commitment for another two to three years. Also making news today, a Kent mum whose son has a life-threatening health condition is pleading with Medway Council to move her out of a mould-infested flat. Kaylee Hunt says the property in Twiddle is overcrowded, damp and mouldy and is unsafe for her six-year-old son. He's got a con- condition called congenital adrenal hyperplasia and basically the easiest way to explain it is he doesn't have an immune system his adrenal glands don't work don't work um he has to take a lot of medication every day for the rest of his life has to carry life-saving injections around in case he becomes unwell um living in moldy damp conditions um being overcrowded um really does affect Kian's health massively um yeah, like even him catching a cold, um, a bug, anything like that puts him into hospital and our living conditions don't help towards his health at all. And you're able to tell me a little bit about the symptoms of an adrenal crisis and how what um well it can happen suddenly, like he can literally be fine one minute and then the next minute he could be vomiting. He could um, literally, he can be unconscious, anything can happen, he can vomit. Literally, just basically, and if I don't get him help as soon as possible, it's fatal. Like, he could literally die if he's not seen to. It's, it's really quick. The Child's School and Great Ormond Street Hospital have also raised concerns about the boys' living conditions. Medway Council say they have arranged for maintenance work to be carried out at the property and have provided advice on potential housing options. Kent Online reports. Firefighters have been called to a house in Dover after decking in a back garden caught a light. The blaze on Sandwich Road yesterday afternoon is thought to have been caused by sunlight refracting from a glass solar light ornament. Crews managed to put out the blaze and no one was hurt. Two men from Chatham have appeared in court charged with attempted murder after an attack in Rochester. It happened in Wickham Street in April after the victim suffered a knife wound to his neck and had to be taken to hospital. The two men charged are 36 and 39. They've been remanded in custody. More than 50,000 people have signed a petition backing a Kent mum's push to reform SEND education. Lisa Lloyd from Aylesford has two autistic children and says the current system risks writing them off before they've had a chance, resigning them to a life of government care and relying on benefits. It comes as KCC councillor Simon Webb last week resigned from the SEND subcommittee after saying it's the in thing for parents to need an ECHP plan. Lisa says it showed a lack of understanding. In talks about taking away the support that is currently in place uh, with EHCPs. Um, Now, my son is just one tiny example of so many thousands of children out there. Um, My son goes to mainstream and the reason that he can just about cope is because he has an EHCP in place. Now, reducing that support would possibly mean that he would become a school refuser. Um, He wouldn't be able to cope at school. I would be be constantly called to come and collect him. Um, Therefore, wouldn't be able to have a job. Um, because I wouldn't be able to work. I'd have to be forced into homeschooling, which is the situation for so many parents. Um, and it really does show, um, you know, just those comments alone showed that our children are simply a number to them. And, you know, that there is no care for our children's well-being or mental health or anything like that. And that should be 
the top priority. The academics will then come. If you look after the mental health, the rest will come. And, you know, the comments that were made, unfortunately, you know, they're heard by everybody. And, you know, it would make people feel that parents are requesting EHCPs for the wrong reasons. And, you know, um, in it for the benefits and things like that, which is just simply not the case. I think you're always going to have a very small portion of people that, yes, do it for the wrong reasons. Um, in any case, when you've got benefits involved and things like that, but there's such a small percentage and you're then therefore dismissing all the parents out there that simply want the best for their children and that is why we push so hard for the EHCPs. Police have seized gold jewellery that's thought to have been stolen after stopping a van in Gillingham. Officers also found Class A and B drugs in the vehicle over the weekend. They're now looking to reunite the jewellery with the rightful owners. Kent Online reports. This is one of our most read stories of the day. New figures have revealed which part of Kent has the most new homes built over the past five years. Work started on more than 5,300 properties in May stone between 2017 and 2022. The next highest number was in Dartford, followed by Medway. You can see the rest of the data at Kent Online. There are plans to knock down a Kent primary school and build a new one, twice as big. The building in Tenham near Faversham dates back to the 70s and bosses say there are issues with heating and ventilation. A major transformation would increase the classes per year from one to two with extra parking and sports facilities. Plans to build eight flats on a patch of grass in a Kent village have been recommended for approval despite receiving more more than 500 objections. Grapesham Council applied for planning permission to construct the homes on a one-acre plot in Istead Rise near Gravesend in February, but locals expressed concerns over the loss of green space and a lack of social infrastructure. The application is set to be discussed at a planning committee meeting on Wednesday. For the first time, ambulance crews from Chatham, Coxheath and Ashford will be coming together under one roof at a new multi-purpose centre. The facility is opened in Gillingham and it's hoped combining 999 and 111 services will improve their response to the community. Emma Williams is from Southeast Coast Ambulance Service. It's a large site um, and it's very important for us and it's the first one that we've done this way because it's bringing together not only our field operations, so those are our colleagues who work on ambulances and cars that you'll see driving around Kent, uh, but actually in about two or three weeks' time, our colleagues who work in the 111 service for Kent and Sussex, who are currently based in Ashford, move up and they come onto the top floor. Uh, and in September, the third floor will be occupied by our control room that's currently based in Coxheath near Maidstone. Uh, so that will be the, the third and final stage, bringing everybody together. So, as I said, long time in planning. We've engaged with a lot of our staff. Uh, for some of them, this is a great opportunity to move out of, uh, whilst they're very much loved buildings uh, in both Coxheath and Medway, they're no longer fit for purpose. They were designed for other reasons and, and are very dated in terms of space. Uh, within this, we have training rooms, we have much better facilities uh, on, on many different levels. So it's a really fantastic opportunity to bring all of our staff together, but to give people a new and fresh environment to work in. Uh, and we recognise actually for the, the, the locality and the people in Medway, it's a great opportunity as well. It really embeds us in this locality uh, and in this community for many years to come. Uh, and there will be opportunities to recruit for, for people who live in the, locale, uh, in the locale as well to come and work with us. So uh, it's, it's a fantastic opportunity. And I've walked around this morning, Nicola, and there are so many people with big grins on their faces. Lots of people walking around still trying to figure out which door goes where and like, like when you move into a new property. Uh, but the space, it's new. 
And we're also giving them the opportunity to personalize it with some artwork they're designing and just making it their own space. I'm guessing for patients, the most important thing for them is how would this improve things for me? I mean, that presumably is the end goal. Um, what can you tell me about that and how, how it will enhance things for, for patients who have perhaps had to make that emergency call or yeah. are waiting for an ambulance? So inherently, when we do new builds like this, whilst it is about bringing staff and creating a good environment, because we know that happy staff, supportive staff inevitably do better when they come to care for them, for each other and for our patients. We've also done this design in such a way that by, you know, we're still very much centred within the Medway area. The hospital is still just just down the road. Um, it should mean that we are slicker in things like our vehicle preparation, which means that they will be more able to mobilise more quickly. Um, but I think in real terms, we still do our best to provide the best care for patients. It won't make everything a lot quicker because inherently that's not what this is about. This is about us really trying to make sure we get our staff in, they're happy staff, they're well-trained staff, they're well-supported staff, which means when they're out with patients, they get really good care. The site will also allow a quicker turnaround in cleaning, restocking and maintaining emergency vehicles. Kent Online reports. Kent County Council have criticised plans to scrap day travel cards for rail passengers heading into London. The city's mayor, Sadiq Khan, is considering getting rid of the saver ticket to help tackle TfL's budget issues. Council bosses say they haven't been consulted about the possible changes. The man who oversees policing in Kent is urging farmers to provide details of when they've been the victims of rural crime. Matthew Scott says he wants to collect evidence to support a new law around thefts of equipment like all-terrain vehicles. The county's new chief constable has also said dealing with the issue is one of his priorities. Motorists who fail to wear a seatbelt will be targeted by Kent Police as part of a national road safety campaign. From today until the 25th of June, officers will be looking out for anyone not wearing a seatbelt while in a vehicle and say they'll enforce the law in the hope of educating those who don't belt up. Failing to wear a seatbelt is one of the fatal factors that contributes to road deaths and serious injuries as not wearing Wearing one can increase the severity of injuries suffered. Now, here's a story to restore your faith in community spirit. The first pint has been served at a pub in Bethesden after local residents rallied to save it from closing. The George closed almost three years ago during the second lockdown. Fearing it would be demolished or transformed, residents formed the George Community Group and raised a massive £300,000 to buy it as a community asset. After essential repairs, rewiring and renovations, doors opened last month. Robin Draper is chair of the group. That was a most extraordinary three weeks. Uh, <clears throat> I think it was from uh, the 20th of November to the 17th of December. We had two meetings in the village hall. The first one was to launch the, uh, <clears throat> the share offer and the second obviously was to uh, announce the result and in that three week period the village lesson raised £330,000. It was absolutely amazing. And that actually then gave us the wherewithal to, to buy the pub in conjunction with the share match funding that we'd had from the government. And what's next for the George? The first thing uh, is obviously to, to uh, we're, we're opening it as a wet pub. We, we, we haven't been able to uh, get the kitchen sorted out yet, but we're on the way. Uh, <clears throat> but in the short term, we will be um, opening up for coffee mornings. Um, Every, every, every day of the week and uh, that's really by popular demand mainly from the dog walkers so, uh, and I think the school, school mums as well. There was a little bit of a dry run just before Christmas down in the village hall which proved to be very popular so we've really built on that. Talking about money, times are tough for businesses. Yes. How's the George going to cope with that? 
we're, we're obviously having to run a very, very tight ship. Um, we're just hoping, really, that uh, everybody that has um, bought shares will in fact follow through and use it as a, as a community. This is the whole point. It is a community <coughs> pub. Um, so it's not just going to be a case of coming in here and spending a lot of money and having a few drinks. It's going to be a case of coming in here, sitting down, meeting your friends, either for coffee or, or for whatever. Um, out in the garden, um, we have the, the summer now in front of us, and uh, I, I think we're going to see an awful lot of families coming out in the, uh, to in, enjoy. You know, a, a, a village pub garden. And this is Ashford MP Damien Green. This is an absolutely great day uh, for Bethesden and for all of us who've been involved. I say us because the whole village deserves credit. Uh, but the, the start of it was getting a, a grant uh, from the government of a quarter of a million pounds. Um, and that set off the village to raise more than that uh, amount themselves to support the rebuilding and, and reopening of the George. So today is the culmination of years of effort and everyone's thrilled. How has the government helped to get this um, local community pub back open? Well, it, simply by providing money and it was money given on the basis that you'd only get it if you could raise at least as much again. They've done more than that. Uh, and also that there was a realistic chance of reopening the pub. So you, you had to jump some hurdles. You know, it's an act of faith to give a quarter of a million pounds worth of taxpayers' money to a potential village pub. Uh, and that, that's one of the reasons why today is, is such a great day. But the other one, and almost more importantly, is that this pub was always the heart uh, of Bethesda. It's right in the centre of the village. It was the village pub. Uh, and so to see what feels like half the village already in here for the, for the reopening is absolutely great. You poured the first um, pint. How was that? Have you ever poured a pint before? I, I, I can't remember ever having poured a pint before, but I, I managed to do it and I, I checked with the, um, the gentleman who'd won the raffle. Uh, there was a raffle to get the first pint pulled uh, and uh, he said it was all right. So I, I don't think I made a mess of it, which is a relief. Kent Online reports. A planned new super medical hub in Greenhithe could see the introduction of bookable parking spaces. A number of slots would be made reservable for less mobile patients if the proposed site is approved in Steel Avenue. The medical hub would replace three smaller practices in Greenhithe and would provide 48 parking spaces. An abandoned former court building in Gravesend, which dates back more than 150 years, has gone on the market. The historic building in the town centre is being listed for £500,000. It first opened as a court in 1871, but could now be used as a community hall, gym, events venue, art gallery, escape room, co-work, working space, restaurant or microbrewery. A Banksy artwork that appeared on the side of a house in Margate has gone on show at the town's dreamland. Valentine's Day mascara was painted on a property near Grosvenor Place in February. It was removed and has since been restored before being displayed at the theme park. And a Medway man paralysed after a wisdom tooth extraction is planning to arm cycle 50 marathons for charity. Rob Stenhouse was paralysed from the waist down after a life-threatening bug got into his bloodstream after a tooth extraction in 2010. Despite the disability, the 56-year-old now works out seven days a week and since lockdown has taken on gruelling challenges to raise money for charity. Kent Online Sports. Taking a quick look at cricket now and Kent are in a strong position going into day two of their county championship match against Surrey. They struggled with the bat at Canterbury yesterday but managed to finish their innings on 301 thanks to a century by Jordan Cox. The visitors will resume on 18 for two and the owners of Gillingham Football Club have been getting involved with the community at a local awards ceremony. Brad and Shannon Gallanson were special guests at an event organised by Grassroots Club Medway United yesterday. They're hoping to inspire youngsters who might end up playing for the Jills in the future.
That's all from us today. Thank you ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get the details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.